Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How is it going, guys? What is this all about? <laughs> we, we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing Doubtfire today, <laughs> children. Doubtfire today. We've done this about four times. The podcasting equivalent of a kinky library. We ask some questions, <laughs> but we also answer the big questions, the big movie and film questions, or music and film questions, such as, why? How? Who? Mm. How dare they? <laughs> what were they thinking? Did they know who started the fire? Did they know those children were in there? They knowingly let those film canisters be stored in there. You mean this is everywhere? You saying I'm off the force, Chief? Ah, Chief, you gotta give me a second chance. How low could I get? I'm gonna spend another day drinking my troubles away. Was this the club that those film executives drank in? Are they really plotting an insurance scam at the old film Backlog Tour? Did you guys really expect to get away with this? Are you saying I saved the next fire? Are you promoting me, Chief? Or was that all a dream? Those sort of questions. Just asking those questions. How are you, mate? What are you up to? What was that from? No, oh, nothing. It's just just so, some of the questions that we had. Oh, right. Okay. An answer. Those are all email those, questions, aren't they? It's typ- typically, in non-descript order. We had to put them in that order as oh, well yeah. to make that story. <laughs> Absolutely. So the killer would strike again. <laughs> right. There's a film executive apparently from that. Brilliant. What have you been up to, mate? What have you been doing with your with your meaningful existence that we all know has you have uh, so much fun with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> How you, you been living your life in inverted commas? Oh. It's a simulation, mate. Yeah. We're, we're in the Matrix, aren't we? Nah, it's been They're good. Netflix, I've, had a, I've been having a, having a great time last couple of days. I was away yeah. out of town and went to Bristol. Did you? Which is very nice. I, did. I didn't know you went to Bristol. I did. I went to Bristol. I've been a, you didn't text me. I did, I've been in Bristol <laughs> the last couple of days. Nice. Yeah. Bristol's cool. Did you? What did you do when you were in Bristol? Well, I was seeing some friends that I, I didn't know that I was seeing, and I've not seen them for a while. My um, my girlfriend kind of surprised me with this trip. It was a little trip from her birthday, so she bought the oh, tickets. Of course. She bought the tickets. Yes. She didn't tell me where we, where we were going, and no. then I worked it out when we were on the train. Like, oh, okay, we're going to Bristol. <laughs> when you were on the train, you didn't even look at. No, this, I was good. I was good. I could have. No, no, I could have looked. I could have looked at it, but she was like. Just don't look at the tickets. Don't look at the side of the train. Don't look at it. And I was good. And I didn't look don't at look any at of it. Don't look at the side of the train. No, yeah. Sit on the side of the train. This train is to Bristol. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. No, it, it got past Reading when I first heard the voice of this is the something something to Bristol. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. We're going to Bristol. And then, but then activity was, uh, was... Was, was ill head like shoving things in your ears, making sure you didn't hear where it was oh, going. Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. But I was seeing friends that I'd not seen for a while and they crept up on me and surprised me and it was very, very nice. So we spent... Well, the friends crept up Yeah, they did, they did, they did. So we spent a lovely couple of days in Bristol doing just... It was kind of a bit of a pub crawl, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, what pubs did you go to? Um, Well, we went to a a bowling alley in... I think it's... It's a pub, though, is it? I think it's called... Shut it. Um, (laughs) In... Is it called Millennium Square or something? Something... Square, yeah, it's sure. by the docks. All oh, right, yes, yeah, yeah, I know where you yeah, are. Yeah. yeah, it's by it's by the docks, and we went to well a few a few other a few other pubs. <laughs> okay, did you go to one that I often take people to? So I lived in Bristol for a fair bit of time. Um, we used to like taking people who'd never been to the Apple. You been there? No. 
Did you go there? It was a really cool. You on King Street? King Street's a cool place. Yeah, we did. We did drink. We did drink on King Street. I don't think the one that we went to was the Apple though. The Apple's just at the end on the. So the Apple's the boat. Oh you know, yeah, just no. at the end, there's the, there's a kind of a converted boat that's been turned into a bar, and it's all ciders, and it's all local ciders that are made uh, made there. It's, it's, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I was told it's about really, that place. It sounded cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, there's some really some really cool places. I love Bristol. Yeah, I went back there a couple of weeks ago for work. Um, some colleagues, and then we were out there in King Street having a drink in the evening, and it was just lovely. It's a cool city. That's where that's where Maddie and I first uh, first uh, you know you know you know just. Yeah. Uh, Pushed, you know, you know, pushed over well, a traffic cone. Pushed, pushed, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, got it. Got it all on the ground. Yeah, we high fived until the moon came out. Right. Joke was it was at night already. So Brilliant. how long were we high fiving for? Red raw. So we were at the end of that night. Good. From the high fiving, Alex, not from anything else. Right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you should have heard the noise when it flopped down. Oh you know my I mean? god! I mean right. the tra- um, the traffic cone when the traffic cone flopped down, Alex. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Obviously, okay. yeah. People couldn't believe it. They were. It was so. It was so. Uh, rigid, it's plenty. It's plenty. It's plenty. It's plenty. This week we're back to our roots, mate. We're we're going back to things that are nice and comfortable. This is like this is like putting on a warm cardigan. This film, isn't it? Yeah. Well, or a. A wet cardigan because oh, there's yeah. water, Alex. Water splashing about in the ocean. Splashing in the ocean. Yes, very good. What were you going to say, sorry, before I interrupt you with my cardigan well, antic? It, it, it's a comfortable choice of movie, but it's not a comfortable movie to watch, is it? Do you, do you, so that's a really interesting point, okay? And I think this Jaws, is a really comfortable movie. It's Jaws, by the way. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> we're doing Jaws this week. I think this is a really comfortable movie to watch because I got this movie on DVD when I was young. For some reason, somebody in my family decided that they grew up with this and was traumatized by it, and therefore I should be grown up and traumatized by it. Oh, the, yeah. The BBC, the BBC app just went off in my background. Um, but in getting this... I, I don't know about you. I mean, there's obviously... We've chatted a little bit about this. What movies will you bestow upon your children? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and clearly this was someone's agenda, and I'm not quite sure who it was. I, I, it might have been my dad. I can't remember. Um, or it might be my mum. This could have been one of those rare ones that my mum. She's not a huge film, but I mean, uh, my mum and my uh, my my mum's brother, my uncle, um, often talk about a particular scene in this movie that scared them half to death. Right. And okay. I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. And what that's about. But I think it was the intention was that this was be bestowed upon me, and I would have this DVD, and I grew up watching it. Anyway, the reason why is because it's so comfortable. Because I've always had this. I've I've watched this movie so many times. Really? Is this one? Like, is I, this one that you've seen a lot then? So, so many times. Like I nearly didn't have to watch this movie going into it because I could have told you everything that I knew about it. But I'm so happy I did, mate. Yeah. Oh, do you say it's uncomfortable for you? Because I know you've had a fun it's, experience it's uncom- watching this movie. It, it's uncomfortable for me but because I've not seen this movie that many times. In fact, mm. I've seen this movie movie a grand total of twice in, can, can in I, my life. Can I ask you that? Can I ask you? Yeah. What, how does this movie feel in your mind? In the same way that comfortable movies that you watch forever, it's like putting on an old cardigan, like I say, or you know, a, a comfy pair of jeans. But because this is such a... An ami- like such a zeitgeisty movie, but it's also a pr- really creepy story. And I know that you're, you know, you, like like everyone, you've got a bit of a fear of deep water and things like this. Um, what what do you, what does this movie think? Like, what when you think of Jaws, what do you think of now? 
like what does it mean to you as a movie this film because I, I i'm all it always amazes you know films like the shining and the exorcist these cult horror movies yeah. from like are from before our time what you know where do they sit in your mind when you first because the shining is kind of bridges that gap for me but when i think of the exorcist that's still a really scary film oh, for me the, but the exorcist is objectively terrifying like yeah. that, that's not one that is elevated in its scariness by its uh, hype do you know yeah. what I mean? That that is yeah, a scary yeah, yeah. movie. The what what about Jaws for you though? Does that does that fall into that camp? No, for I you? wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so. Not in that I've got a fear of deep water because I don't really. I I think. Oh, do you not? I no, thought I you did. Oh, sorry. No, I don't. Um, I do. No more than I think. No more. I think that's one of those things that is a ra- very rational fear. Fear of deep water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. But I wouldn't say that I've got more of a fear of it than anyone else. Like, it's never bothered me. I've never been nervous to get into the ocean or anything like that. Mm. So, yeah. I don't know. With your Lilo. What's that? Your, with your with, Lilo. With Lilo, your, yeah. And, 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 also, and also watching it has n- never given me, like, a real fear of sharks or anything like that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the the uncomfortableness and the dread that comes from watching this movie is actually more to do with how the movie tells that story and yes. actually more specifically how the music tells the story as well because i think the For music sure. in this movie does a whole lot of heavy lifting oh when, God, yeah we can, when we'll dictating it, yeah. the the tone and the tension oh like, yeah it, yeah it's it's it, incredible it, it's one of the same do you because you said you'd seen this movie twice and i'm assuming yeah. the second time was just recently yeah it was, before it was we watched... the other day for this but you but you had another experience for the first time you watched this didn't yeah, you? yeah yeah it was very very interesting first time i ever watched jaws went out to an open air cinema when i moved out to michigan for um post-grad mm. studies and this particular open air cinema was by a river and the thing they're kind of big business thing was they just had loads and loads of kayaks and canoes and stuff and you went out on this river in kayaks and canoes and you watched and you watched this movie yeah which was that sounds great it sounds great and i've told some people this and they were like what movie was it and i was like jaws and they're like are you kidding you're floating you're floating (laughs) on the water and watching jaws the most that that would have been really creepy it wasn't it wasn't no. for me. It wasn't for me. I taught some of my mates who were there. They were like, "Oh, it was a bit creepy. It was a bit creepy." But honestly, I was just a bit put out that I had to keep paddling back upstream every five minutes. Yeah, you said this. The, yeah, because obviously the river was flowing, and you're and you're floating, and everyone's having to paddle back to the screen, which is on land. <laughs> and and so and so actually, I, I did enjoy the movie at the time, but I was distracted by the whole, you know the. The shtick yeah, having to do extra manual, manual labor, labor basically yeah. wasn't it? it? Wasn't even exercise, want, was it? I don't want that in my viewing experience. So yeah, actually, you don't have to do that. So actually, I found myself. You were kind of like those people. Viewing, I found myself in the second viewing, seeing paddling a lot of upstream, things, paddling upstream, <laughs> but also seeing lots of things that I hadn't seen the first time, and so it really felt like watching the movie for the first time again. Actually, oh if cool, I'm being very honest. Yeah, which that's was cool. Really great. Steven Spielberg. We've got some John Williams. I mean, they don't come more classic than this. I mean, this is... It's the partnership. It's the dream team. It is. It, it, it is. I mean, and, you know, we, we can talk about... I mean, the other examples of this, we've obviously... E.T. Yeah. Is another absolutely. example of this. I mean, you could argue Star Wars as well, to an extent. I mean, these are just some of the most iconic f- the, films because of those duo. I mean, yeah. that duo are just... 
um, they're 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 in they're a part of history as much as this film is. Um, In some ways, mythical creatures that only surface every so often to devour film audiences. Um, that's that's John Williams because he's a, a hungry man. He's a hungry. Sh- I thought you should say hungry shark. <laughs> no, he's a hungry man. Um, and nothing more than that classic intro. But before we get to this, when composer John Williams originally played the score for director Steven Spielberg, Spielberg laughed and said, "That's funny, John. Really, but what did you really have in mind for the theme of Jaws?" <laughs> Spielberg later stated that without Williams' score, the movie would only have been half as successful. And according to Williams, it jump-started his career. Yeah, not surprising. This movie, I think for both of them, yeah. well, for both of yeah. them, this was a real jump-off point in yeah. their career. Because so many film historians and people describe Jaws as the first summer blockbuster. Well, I was going to say, that's exactly one of the facts. 67 million people went to see this yep. in 1979. Uh, yeah, you're right. And the first summer blockbuster yeah. is what it was always So as, as, you know, as a as a business model, you know, we always got, got these, ever since then, these big tentpole movies in the summer, the blockbusters, of which most of them in that <laughs> era, um, in the 70s and going into the 80s, were Spielberg and Williams. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, composer John Williams conducted the orchestra during the 1976 Academy Awards. So when it was announced that he won Oscar for the best score, he had to run up to the podium to accept his Oscar and then run back to continue conducting the the orchestra. Amazing. But that doesn't make sense. I'm just reading this fact again. The 1976 Academy Awards, would it not have been the 1979 Academy? I think my facts are wrong here. Oh no! No, 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 I'm doubting myself. No, it's a '75 movie because this was. Was it '75? Yeah, because this is this is before Star Wars, and Star Wars is '77. Oh, of course, I got it in my head. It was '79. God, maybe my first fact was wrong. Yeah, where am I getting '79 from? Yeah, no idea. Yeah, well, yeah, '76 Academy Awards. That is right. Goodness, but yeah, how funny is that? When he finished conducting. Uh, oh, sorry, he went up to, to get his award, then he went back down to the pit to keep Love going. That. I mean, that's just, well, like, what a, what a what a nice, like, thing to keep you moving, to keep you, like, oomphed. Absolutely, absolutely. But the pressure's on you to keep going, isn't it, know, for the right? second half of the show? Nah, he just got it? blethered yeah. in the second half, and then... Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah exactly. Conducting. I've got my award now. He's conducting one hand on the... Using the um, the bloody the bloody Oscar trophy to conduct with, as opposed to his uh, his chopstick. Yeah, his chopstick, yeah. It's a technical what are they called, those things? Baton. What are those... Th- the baton, yeah. but they're totty wee things. No, no. What are they made? Back what in the day, from? back in the day, a lot of them were bloody tree trunks, mate. They're huge. Really? Yeah, they look more like batons. I'll show you some pictures. Some like old uh, English. Con- Do English not conductors. send me pictures of your baton, oh, okay, please. I'm done with I'm this. Done with that. You've <laughs> been burnt before. <laughs> I have been burnt before. Just picturing, you know how like magic wands in Zeit- the zeitgeist used to be these like long rods with like white tips at either end and yeah. they were black, and now they're just like chunks <laughs> of wood. Things happen. It's what I'm picturing when you say baton. Oh my Like God. one of those with his m- well, magicians. Well, I mean, you asked what they were called. What was, yeah. it, what was it to say? Um, and I mean, that's kind of the two facts I have up top about the the score. I mean, one thing that's left in the memory is that the film music for Jaws, um, composed by John Williams, was ranked as number six by the American Film Institute for their list of the twenty five greatest film scores. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, enough said. So I mean, you you you're in for a treat, everyone, when we get into yeah. these and talking oh, it's a through big this. One. It's a um, big one. 
but yeah, I mean, I think we chat a little bit about this. I think we're just going to go through the movie in chronological yeah. order, if that's good with you, mate. I think yeah. you're going to interject at certain times. Well, I, I guess so. there's no better place to start than at the beginning with oh, probably yeah. one of the most famous double bass introductions. Am I right? Double bass? Or oh, is it cello? With, the, with that... Um... That famous semitone obligato. Yeah. Do you, do you know any time I, I think not I, obligato, ostinato. Ostinato. I just got I just got crucified by the musos. I I I just think every time I hear, uh, any time someone explains to me what a semitone is, or I'm, or someone says you're a semitone too low, I yeah. think of the Jaws theme. You yeah, know the, that's cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. in the same way that like when you're doing CPR, they also think staying alive. Yeah. You know, these films that you can just go to are these pieces of music you just go to in your head. This is one of yeah. these pieces of music. It's just there. You don't have to. Do you know? It's like um, if you were to if you were to look at a photo of someone famous, you go, "Who is this?" And maybe sometimes your mind kind of goes, "Um, oh, it's um," and it's like at the back of your mind, and you want to say it. Yeah. That will never happen for this piece of music, will it? As soon no, as you say Jaws theme. It, yeah, it's ti- it's timeless. And it, it's it's interesting that this is because it is such a well-regarded score. Yeah. Um for the whole movie as well, but the only thing anybody talks about or remembers is is the shark theme. Yeah, of course, yeah. Is the shark theme because it is you know so genius in its simplicity. Uh-huh. And th- there there's a reason to every single aspect of it. Like you know that slowly building ostinato, and it's really interesting because Ilham didn't watch this movie with me. Okay, um, she decided she didn't want to watch a, a suspenseful uh, shark attack movie. She wasn't she wasn't up for that. But the opening credits came, can you, and you know how you can hear it in the opening credits. Yes, yes. Before the famous opening yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. And I just stuck it on, and the orchestra just went. And she went, nope. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see her doing that. Nope. Bye. Nope. Can, no, 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 can, no. Can I say something maybe a little weird? I mean, I watched this on my own. I did a classic, turn the lights out, phone away, sit down in front of the TV, watch this. Nice. And I got proper goosebumps watching this. And it wasn't because of what the con it wasn't because of the film. It was because of the context of the film, like the impact this film has on history. Like you're almost blessed watching that intro and listening to that music, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, not like really. It's, yeah, it's, it's like it's that kind of, oh, God, you're like watching real history. Like you're watching one of this all time cinema greats. Yeah. Um, and even you, you even excuse the fact that it's clearly just someone with a handicap filming through some coral reefs. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like when you think behind what you're seeing with a lot of this film, um, the make like the the dis- the difference between what is being presented to the audience and how they got there couldn't be more different. You know, I know, I know. know there are so many examples of that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk anything else about the intro piece of music? Because I know that there's other stuff to talk a little bit about. Well, Any of I the mean, instrumentation stuff or anything? So you... I mean, it's a big blanket statement for the whole movie because obviously the shark theme comes up many many times course, yeah. throughout and in largely the same ways, and that's because the shark is always present when that theme is there sure yeah and there's and i and i say that up top because there are a few red herrings yes there are a few red herrings in in the movie and we'll talk about that when when we get there but the actual theme itself is composed of as i said the ostinato which not an ostinato is a repeated pattern yeah not a canon Um, 
Not a cannon. No. Not a cannon. No, ostinato is a repeated pattern, and so it goes dun 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 dun. So that's that's your ostinato. But it goes dun 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 dun. Yeah, and then but then that repeats. Oh, and then that repeats. So it's 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 a longer thing. You're it's a longer. Uh, phrase if you will that you're Got thinking it. of that then repeats ah, i see um, okay so that that's the ostinato um and then the other big aspect of the shark theme is obviously the solo tuba part oh it's wonderful it's wonderful and it's it is so high is it a tuba is it it, it is a tuba but typically and a deep instrument though isn't it Exactly, and that's actually a very, very important thing to take note of because people asked John Williams, "Why didn't you write that melody for something that's more that belongs in that octave?" So, for sure. example, a French horn. Okay, a, Fren- a French horn would have done. Yeah, it. yeah. And he, and he said he wanted he wanted it to be driven by the bass instruments of the orchestra he wanted yeah. it, the feel he wanted the feeling of something coming up from the depths oh that, i was just thinking that that that, that that um was coming up from the depths that didn't quite belong there and to have like the oh. tuba which belongs to the depths um being where it didn't belong up in the stratosphere maybe at the surface of the water Mate, being where it shouldn't when when be. we were just chatting about that that's exactly what i was thinking yeah. i was like that's what it does it does doesn't it yeah and that's it's perfect wonderful. and it's uh, and it and and the other part of it is it's technically extremely hard yeah. for a tuba player to play that you have to you have to have so such a good technique you basically have to be a world class tuba player in order to play that solo and I feel for the guy that obviously was, 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 given, was given that as a session, but he was probably a top, top tuba player. I, I don't know the guy's name. But... Physic- physically, what is that? What do you have to do to get that, the tuba to make that noise? Like, well, I mean, I'm, not a, bra- you... I'm okay. not a brass player, so sure. I don't know the ins and outs of... A lot of clenching? I, I believe it's a lot of air because yeah. if you think of the size of a tuba, that's yeah. a lot of air to push through a lot of metal tubes. Of course, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know how they change octave, but to like keep a good consistent tone with no cracking, it sounds uncomfortable. There was no basically there was no way to play that where it doesn't sound uncomfortable even for a world class tuba player. Mm. And that again is the point. He wanted it to be uncomfortable and a little bit tense and a melody that wasn't entirely pure, wasn't entirely oh. perfect. There was something a little bit sinister about it. And to give that to an instrument that was comfortable in that octave would have completely defeated the purpose. Can I, can I go as far as say that is probably one of my most favourite little music movie facts, that that tuba piece. That's I love I'll that. I'll be honest, mate. That's the tip of the icebergs for what I'm we've got. So what we've got going on well, I'm so excited. Well, I'm so excited. Um, so we we called the shark Bruce. I think a little in this for that's yeah. what Steven Spielberg calls it. And um, what I was going to say in, in terms of the filming of that opening sequence is I like it when you watch. You can tell it's a classic film, and it because they do that classic. They film it at day, and then it and then they tint it so it looks like night. I don't know if yeah. you know. You know what I mean? Like you can always see this. The Great Escape used to do this quite a lot. Um, 
can I, one more piece of sound that I love during that scene. Well, there's two things of sound that, that happen in that sequence. Um, so during the actual shark attack, and I, I actually read somewhere, it was three, two 300 pound weights that was pulling the actress left and right through the water to give that sequence like the sharks Jeez. taking her left and right, which would have been girl. crazy. She Even poorer to this, to create the sound of drowning, the woman during the post-production, so Susan Black, um, Black Linney, she was actually she was positioned her head upturned in front of a microphone while water from above was poured down into her throat <laughs> so that's they could like, get, that's so like this, a step before she was she was water she was waterboarded to get that you know that just like that proper yeah. visceral sound that you get and and i i want to talk about the sound as a as a holistic thing for that interesting movie because there's there's the the uncomfortable drowning sound you hear um, as I say, I've watched this movie so often. Yeah. It's so familiar to me. And it's dis- even the way she says the phrase, come out into the water, I can hear that in my head. Like, I can hear the indiction in her voice. I can hear how that's portrayed. It's almost like right in the, it's almost panned to the left speaker. Like, for some reason, I'm so used to this movie. And another sound that I'm so used to is the clanging harbor bell sound. You know that kind of don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because when when it's still and when the mo- when that sequence ends, that's all you can hear. It's just that cloudy dung. Um, I think the music design of that scene is perfect. Of that scene, bear in mind, is perfect because yeah. the fact that I have um, after that is I actually don't think. I mean, I think the mixing, the sound mixing of this film is a little bit off. I think between those really big intense sequences and then the kind of conversation pieces, I had to find, I found myself having to turn my, my, my TV volume up and down again to hear what was being said quite a lot right. about it. Um, uh, is this like in the first half of the movie? I yeah. Think. Yeah. I found yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see that. Cause I think the mixing in the first half of the movie is like deliberate in a lot of ways. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I, you know, you'll correct me if this isn't what you're talking about. But the f- the first fact I have on this is in the um in the first hour of the movie, there's actually only twenty minutes of music. Ah, there's not, okay. There's not a huge amount of scored music in there right, as well. Okay. There's there's other uh, incidental music, so music that I exists, did think this yeah. exists in the music. But I think where some of the mixing was a little bit frantic and hectic, you, there was a lot of scenes in this of a lot of different people talking over each other. Yes, yes, you're and, right, yeah. And kind of running around like headless chickens. And I kind yeah. of thought that that was deliberate because it, they didn't that know panic, how... Yeah. yeah, they were kind of in a panic, even if even if they weren't like visually panicked. But yeah. it did create a sense of like, you know, overlapping dialogue and the audience not really knowing who to listen to sure. and how to listen to it and really just pick out the noise. Mm. And it is a little bit jarring on the ears. So I don't know yeah. if that's what you're referring to. No, I think that makes sense. And I, and then I think cutting from that to the kind of conversation sequences of Brody in the house, I think it, it the, the volume kind of drops dramatically. Um, I, I, maybe just something that I, maybe it was the version I watch. Um, Back to the instrumentation, another instrument that I think takes center stage a lot of this is the harp, especially when we're seeing the underwater from uh, the shark's perspective. We're seeing the people playing in the water and it almost creates... very water-like arpeggios. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit. Do you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Back to the Future, a little bit of the... Yeah, that little motif. Yes, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I I was kind of reminded of that, um, that kind of sound. 
um um I I just I, I just thought oh god it's it's um guided portals it's completely gone off the top of my head who did Back to the Future oh um bloody <laughs> the oh, Avengers it's totally gone from my brain um but you know what I, you know what I yeah. mean though um you know what I mean you put me on the spot and I now I can't think of, <laughs> and I now I can't think of his name that's terrible it's, it's totally oh I can see it um. Bloody Silvestri, of course. Thank you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> of like... course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Alan <laughs> Silvestri. Like... The... Yeah. Oh, but but I, I was. But this is one of the things where I can imagine Alan Silvestri probably took cues from that. Um, you know that kind of just um, that, as I said that 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 harp sound. Um, what, one other thing I found as well the crabs. How to get the crabs moving? You know when they see the dead the dead body of the girl on the beach. That was um, yeah. that was the actual actress's arm because they couldn't make a prosthetic because it was right. too much. But yeah, the, yeah. to make the crabs move, the the direct uh, <laughs> the basically the prop master poured hot coffee on them. <laughs> Just like what a day, what a filmmaking oh era. You know what I mean? Thing, what an the era! Things you do to get to know. get what you want on camera. My God, do you, do you know what's quite refreshing from a from a narrative perspective? I mean, just on the narrative of Jaws, it's a wonderfully self-contained story yeah. of just a wonderful incident within Martha's Vineyard. Um, or I don't know if it's set there, but it's definitely filmed there. Um, it's definitely like the east Cape, coast, the, yeah, the east Cape. coast, New England. Yeah, I mean, I went to Nantucket once, and I and I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me a little Jaws, Jaws esque kind of yeah. stuff. Um, well, but the narrative, it's just a really concise story around the hero and their sidekick, and the kind of the unlikely hero that kind of comes in to save. And it's just a really good. I mean, it's a classic all American story. Yeah. But something that we were treated to quite quickly is actually a competent hero in the it's amazing how quickly brody works out that it's a shark and yeah. you forget how refreshing that is and i think the writing is to be applauded for this because the the writing is slick throughout this movie the dialogue is really clear and actually very much stands up to a large part um and i think the way that the characters all interact with each other it's it's really quite impressive i i I think this script and this script in its totality, if you were to update all of the, you know, obviously it's, it's set in time, but you yeah. wouldn't have to touch this, this script up to represent this to modern audiences. I think no, that's a I don't real, think so. it's a really timeless. It's pretty airtight. Isn't yeah, it? it is totally airtight. It is totally airtight. Um, some other sound stuff that I thought was really interesting is when we're introduced to Quint. What about the nails on the chalkboard sequence? Oh, like I just that, that was like a big sequence. old trope, wasn't it? And, but he, <laughs> oh, he, Robert Shaw, chewed yeah. the scenery in every scene he was in. He He's was great. Just he is so, so good. magnificent, wasn't he? Uh, Richard Dufries as well. I mean, that he, he. Every time I watch this film, I'm more attracted to him particularly as an actor i think there's dreyfus. there's something dreyfus sorry um he brings something to the scenes that i think that's he's a weird guy and he plays a weird guy but yeah. he plays the weird guy really well doesn't he yeah it, 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 there's something about he's I, I don't know what it is about him can, can you can you do you, do you know what I mean? There's something about Hooper that's it's a bit off, isn't there? Well, um, I think because Quint's a bit more stereotypical. He is, yeah. But I I think that Hooper is a bit of a stereotypical, like you know, a bit of an egghead. He's a yeah. he's a, he's a scientist, and he is very much uh, he he lets the scientific curiosity overtake you know the need for 
you know basic human interaction yeah yeah, shall we yeah, say yeah. at some at some points you know she he's, he just wants to cut a shark open and let its gut spill out in front of the whole town at one I read, point yeah and, i read somewhere that there was almost like does he kind of almost displays like asperger's asperger's a style decision making and like the complex of his character is kind of indicative of that style of thinking which yeah, i so thought was really interesting i don't think i don't think that that is something that the film was going for i just think that's maybe something that maybe dates this movie as playing into uh you know uh, scientists or nerds and, yeah and sure, socially sure. And, and socially you know not great no got it yeah i think clear. i think that's really what they were playing into uh unfortunately but i think it was played really really well and you didn't dislike the character because of no it. It just, you didn't it, it just you know became sort of him well the more i watched this movie the more i i don't know i really like him I, the more i really i think when i first used to watch this movie i used to you know, nerd i used to think that but now as i get older i really hooper's the one that i identify with and obviously brody because you're designed to identify with brody aren't you yeah exactly when we first see um hooper i put my note here you're gonna laugh at this one he doesn't he i'm gonna have to bl blank this out but doesn't he look identical to uh, <laughs> doesn't he it's a guy it's a, I've, I've had to bleep that one out it's a guy yeah. we went to school don't with. forget but, to bleep no, that out i won't forget to bleep that okay <laughs> Doesn't he though? Yeah, it's it looks horrendous. Totally it looks horrendous. He, he went through that phase, didn't he? Oh yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does though, but even even now, I'm gonna have to. I won't forget. Shall that would we be talk so about funny. some of the other music that happens in, in the beginning half of this movie? I did, I did say that there was some incidental music. So there Do was a. Uh, after the after the first shark attack, obviously at the beginning of the beginning of the movie, and they find the body, and you know he's scrambling around town to make some signs to close the beaches, mm, and there's mm. a lot of hullabaloo going on in the town. Great word, yeah, I know, right? They're at, they're preparing for the Fourth of July celebrations, yep. and you know we we meet some of the supporting cast, including. Uh, the mayor of the town who is always wearing these ridiculous suits. I love it. And by I the love way, it. I listened to a sound file. I listened to a sound file of some of the conversations on this as I was doing some research after this because a lot of the musical stuff, like it's it's in the movie and you can't just take it from the movie. So you're hearing a lot of dialogue as well. And I'm like, why is this guy from Texas? Why yeah, is this guy a cowboy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, "There's a beach will be open on the fourth of July," type <laughs> type thing, and it was like, "Isn't this supposed to be New England? What the shit?" Why that is was it? good. And he, he's like this big jawed guy. He, he is that kind of archetype, and it is yeah, really, and he's he's really funny. But the music I wanted to point out to was the marching band, actually, because there's a marching oh, okay. band that goes through it and. In this era of filmmaking, you wouldn't be able to have a high school marching band and record the sounds that they make and put that in the movie because there would be too much going on and you wouldn't be able to just capture that sound with a microphone. Okay. So what they end up having to do is the orchestra that made the soundtrack that recorded the actual score ended up having to play those cues. Oh, and, cool. And they were told that they had to play it shit. Like a high school marching band. So if you listen to that bit, it's a little bit out of tune. It's not a hundred percent together. Um, and so you know they were able to have fun with it. And I've, I, I think I, I read somewhere that a lot of the the brass players were drunk. Got drunk to do it. 
Um, oh, that's to do fun. It, which is quite fun. And actually, the other n- nice inclusion is to this is the clarinet that you hear very finely. I know who this. played this. Do you know who played this, Cal? I know exactly who, who played, played this. It? No, I'll let you do this. I'll oh, let you okay, do it. Fine. I'll let you do it. It was actually the director, Steven yeah. Spielberg. He came in because <laughs> he was a he he learned clarinet as a child when he was yeah. in, when he was in school. And he and he started and to be honest, the playing is not that bad at all. Yeah, it's re- it's really not that bad at all. And it's not his first cameo in the movie, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm, um, yeah. So he comes up a bit later, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But I just thought that was a very interesting uh, fact on a, a very different type of like sound, yeah, um, aspect of the movie. Well, they do so much. I mean, they do so much clever stuff with the sound. As you say, we don't really see the shark all that often, and the music. You don't see the shark rep- until rep- after the first hour of the movie. You yeah. don't see the shark for an hour. But the music does the job of the shark. I mean, if you never saw the shark and you only saw the music, I mean, as you say, for the first hour, you're kind of content to that. Yeah. And 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 it's and that's that's some, that's a theme that carries out throughout this movie. I think the other sequence that I was really impressed with from my kind of filmmaking angle is when they when they have the victim the victim of the shark attack and uh, Hooper is looking over the victim and describing the victim and all the things that has happened to the and yeah. you 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 don't have to see the, the 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 body you don't have to see it but it's his reaction and him talking into the microphone of what he's seeing oh, yeah, from the yeah, yeah. like but but such a clever thing to do you know you, how to save money but also keep that shock factor if not increase the shock factor because the camera is constantly on the victim who's seeing and describing what they see it's just genius like it's just a genius way to save money but also like you're doing two things there i I love things like that and and it's some of the delivery of some of the lines are are wonderful you know the sequence where the 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 the, the boy dies um i it's heartbreaking like i really struggle to watch that sequence when the mum runs towards the water when all the kids run out the water yeah and and she's looking for her son and i and i watch that again and i'm like oh god it's 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 heartbreaking you know when she says my boy is dead i wanted you to know that and there's no music that's played no again that's 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 one of the bits where there's no again in the first half the music the the first half of the movie, Mo- sorry, movie. the the music is used incredibly sparingly and yeah. really only in a very large part to do with when the shark is there because the yeah. first half of this movie, I, I always feel like Jaws, or I always feel, I've only seen this movie twice, but I feel like Jaws is two movies in one. The first, yeah. The first yeah, no, half, you're right. You are right. The first half is, is a shark terrorizing a town and it is much more horror. And then the second half is a bloody pirate movie, but we'll get to, we'll, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, to, we'll get yeah. to that. But, um, I like the, the red herring attack. Yes. Of, yeah. Of the yeah. Shark yeah. When it's actually a prank with the, the two, the, the group of boys with the shark fin mm. and stuff like that. Because what's very telling about that moment is that the, the shark motif in the music is not present, but the film until, until it is revealed that it's a group of boys playing a prank. The movie wants us to think that it is actually the shark, you know, with the panicked people and some of the camera angles and like people not being able to get out of the water fast enough. And you see the water splashing over the camera. It gives a really panicked, claustrophobic feel. Yeah. Well, almost 25% of the shots were Steven Spielberg with a camera uh, on the, on the, the sort of the water side. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. But it but it gives that really panicked, claustrophobic yeah. feeling to the viewer. But in actual mm-hmm. fact, because the music is not there, 
we know mm. at all times that it's not actually the shark. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's it does, a really tell. It, yeah. it does take a second viewing to realize this. Like it, yeah. it, do, it does, but the the but the fact is that it, it's there. It, it's yeah. there, or rather, it's not there. Yeah, you see what J- I mean? just j- just one scene that I just want to talk. I mean, there's no real end. It's just it's just one of my most favorite little scenes. It always makes me smile and and really um it's it's a beautiful little scene is is when brody's son follows every movement that he does at the dinner table i'm so glad i was as when you were saying that i was thinking please let it be that scene that he's talking about because this is probably one of the most beautiful but also cleverest pieces of scoring in this entire movie but i want you to say what you were going to say about it first before i I I launch into it well, I want to. I want to listen to your points on the on the scoring of there, but I think just even if I can talk to you about it from like as a, someone who's not in the musical, you know, world and stuff and isn't watching it. I mean, obviously I'm listening to music, but I I just watched it for what it means. I mean, I just think that's it's so beautiful just because what it does for from a character perspective is it shows how much he, you know, his son idolizes him and he is his hero and he he copies every his movement because he believes his dad is the right you know doing the right thing. He is he is uh, a good man, and he wants to be like his dad. And I, I watched that piece of um, that, that that piece of footage just over and over. I've, I've watched that on like YouTube clips just on its own isolation because it's a really comforting yeah. sequence to watch. Well, what I'm gonna tell you is gonna make you watch that scene again. Oh, here we go. I know. I, I'm, I'm gonna I've cry. Been, I've been looking forward to this. So the the overall instrumentation of this scene because it is a really touching scene between yeah. a father and his son. And the the instrumentation so is um, like a piano or Celeste, that kind of like twinkly thing. Yes. So I want you to, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you should think of the kids in Jurassic Park or the kids in Hook or something like that. Yeah. You know that kind of like childlike innocence. The yeah, instrumentation yeah. and the and the octaves at which it's played and the um, harmonic pace of it. You know, it's quite slow yeah. moving chords. It is quite childlike and quite innocent, mm. and it does present that kind of et is another one that does this the kid yeah. the kids in et have that kind of like childlike um playful instrumentation about it yeah what makes this scene very very different is even though you've got that and you've got that innocence and that um hopefulness um the the chord sequence never resolves every single chord has a suspension in it so it doesn't okay. just use the normal um you know three notes in a in a triad so for for example a c uh you know a c e g in a c major chord for example there's yeah, always yeah. a suspend there's always a suspended note and yeah. so the, and so that even when the chord progression goes back to the root as all progressions do to finish uh-huh there's always an off note or not an off note but a suspended note oh, okay there's yeah, a yeah. suspended note at the end of each music, at the end of each musical phase, kind and, and in every chord, isn't it, for it and, to resolve? Yeah. So, what that gives is a sense that the music never finishes, and the music never ever resolves. And then, and that is kind of indicative of Brody just not being at ease, even though he's having this moment. He's still worried. Yeah. He's yeah, still worried he about the shark and what it means for his son. And then the other thing, and he's just got this pit in his stomach, and there's this rumbling bass note uh-huh. that always ha- that that is just there throughout this lovely piece <clears throat> of music. That, by the way, just so happens to be out of tune with the chords that are going on up above, 
by one semitone higher. Like the shark? Like the shark. So, oh, that's so clever. So basically, you've got D happening in uh-huh. there, happening up there, and then so you get that's so clever it's it's crazy it's because it's just crazy how well on his mind the shark is on his mind it's all the the elements of the movie are there so that even though you've got this moment of respite in this scene where you've got a lovely touching scene with his a father and son the the weight the of what is, is present, going yeah. on, the shark is always present. The shark, oh, the, shark is, the shark is present in Brody's mind as a pit in his stomach, always worrying about it, even though he's playing, even though he's playing with the sun. It's a wonderfully scored piece of cinema. And 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 there's a couple of times where the strings do that that do you know that kind of octave jump throughout this movie as well. You know when the kind of when when Brody sees the little boy, you know, that being in the water and the yeah. camera zooms in yeah, on his yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Um, the strings play a huge part in this score too. I mean, particularly the night sequences. You know, when they they have that ominous feeling um, as as Hooper's diving under the water, and the strings are kind of playing a little bit there. Yeah, I I I, I, I thought that was absolutely wonderful. It's as ominous. Well. That's a really great scene because that I think counts as one of those scenes. Where, you know, when you see in horror movies and you see characters be really stupid. Yes. Yeah. They're they're drunk going out on this boat right yeah they're drunk yeah. and going out in this boat and while they're going out hooper at some point says oh he's a night feeder and yeah. i'm thinking yeah. why the fuck are you going out why to are you see doing them? it there exactly yeah, yeah absolutely but i think that's it's very very deliberate that um, they're putting themselves in very very great danger there and, and i think the movie and the director wants the audience to be going oh no you, you shouldn't be doing yeah, that what are you doing that what are you doing it but do you know what's never present in that scene the shark the shark and the mm. shark music it's not, mm. it's not present in that scene. They are never in danger from the shark in that bit. Well, but what they are in danger of is a dead body in the water. Because when I talked a little bit about the, the thing that scared, um, my mum always talks about scaring oh, her the yeah. most. And I go, when that, that, because it's almost like a scream that appears, isn't it? You hear yeah. this, like they've, they've added a scream post effect. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, even to this day, like that's a terrifying sequence with the kind of the, the stuff wriggling in its eye. It's disgusting. Isn't yeah, it? it really is disgusting. It's pretty, you know, we were talking about the mayor as well. It's pretty rough when the mayor just sort of says to Larry, he's like, when they're all there on the 4th of July and no one's going in the water and he just makes his like aide go in the water with his family. He's like, go in the water. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to. It's, it's crazy. like a lamb to the slaughter. I, I know, it's, it's it's a weird sort of vibe in the in the town, isn't it? It's got also all, almost like the mayor is like the autocrat yeah. of, yeah, of, yeah, of the yeah. mayor. It's like, it's like he's the king. And that actually plays into another music, a really interesting musical cue that I've got in Do the first it. half yeah, of this go movie. For it, mate. Do you know the scene? Do you know the scene where all the tourists come off the ferry? Yes. Yeah. 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 Can you can you remember the music that was playing there? No, I can't. No, it's I... it it's almost jester like. It's com- oh, it's really? comedic. It's really bouncy and bubbly and happily, but it's played by a harpsichord and a trumpet. A basso continuo. Um. There. Well. Yeah. A harpsichord is part of a basso continuo. Well done. You were right. right. Higher music. Higher music. Higher music. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well done. Well done. Your music teacher will be proud. But what's really... It's such an interesting thing because for a modern movie, and I say modern, it's 1975, but I mean, it was made at the time and so therefore is a modern movie. At the, to pick an instrumentation that is decidedly Baroque yeah is very very interesting and it it warrants 
uh, a bit of a deep dive because mm. what baroque music usually was it wasn't very melodic all the melodic music that um happened in uh classical music in the classical era came came after the baroque because the baroque era was when there were lots of kings and queens of all the european countries yeah, and yeah. Uh, music was really only for them the aristocrats the ruling class and sure, the smart sure. and the smart people therefore the music was very very technical it wasn't very melodic and it was very very highbrow very very high art mm. and it mm. wasn't until what's called the what's known as the age of enlightenment Mm. when the middle classes started to rule and you had a lot of uh, revolutions in France and all that yeah. and the middle classes started to rule and then obviously more hummable tunes became popular and this is where Mozart comes in and um, does his thing because he writes a great melody and it's cool. not it's not it's not he as writes technical. a banger yeah he does write a banger it's the sort of one that you can sing in a, in a football stadium when you're all drunk can't you You know what i mean you can all just hold you say that but that's exactly the vibe that it was back then 100 percent. <laughs> that's exactly the vibe that it was back then but 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 going back to the baroque this kind of like highbrow court kind of thing i think the reason john williams chooses that sort of sound world to do for this is because obviously the mayor is making these decisions for the good of himself and mm. him getting you know rich and power and they yeah. and you see all of these uh all these people come in who are inherently in danger subjects yeah who are subjective to his rule yeah yeah and yeah. i just i just love that little yeah that um, is good that that little thing but also the the moment the first person comes steps off the boat the strings go dun 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 oh right? yeah yeah in, in like big chords in the middle of that big baroque high highbrow high art kind of sound you get a dun 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 yeah which we can take as a couple of things it's a little black joke i think it's a little yeah. it is a little bit of a black joke where you're like oh my god lunch is served they're yeah, coming onto yeah. the island off this boat and we and because we know that the shark you can't have the shark motif without the shark actually being present i like to think that the shark is literally just there off the boat and he's yeah. sensing these hundreds of people just being served up to him on a platter and it's just yeah, a tiny yeah. little joke by john williams and steven spielberg just going dun 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 just oh, randomly just it. once and never comes back but just it's the moment that they step off the boat and onto the island and i love that it's great that's awesome, man. Well, we're on the second half now. I mean, and obviously there's a huge amount to talk about. We're, we're going to run out of time, I guess. We but I think I think it's we're happy to kind of push moving forward a little bit because this is a bit of a special one. Uh, Robert Robert Shaw and Richard um, Dreyfus basically th they could not stand each other, and the two argued all the time, which actually resulted in some really good tension between Hooper and Quint. Yeah, and no, I, that's I, pretty I just natural. Love <laughs> all the all the tension between the three of those characters. I mean, they are three very famous movie characters those three um and i just loved it i mean some actors. of the other facts uh, sorry actors no no the characters sorry characters, characters right, right, right. quint Brody and hooper oh, like yeah, they're yeah, so yeah. famous yeah, yeah. i mean I, I you know you hear loads of places like um I, I know loads of people who've named their boats or if they've had three boats where if they've named one quint Brody and hooper right um or even like the name of the orca you know originally the, the boat was going to be called the warlock um or i think it was in the book but it's called the orca because it's the killer whale which is the enemy of great white sharks right um which is just so clever aren't, aren't sailors superstitious though i don't think i would name my boat after a boat that gets 
munched up by a well, shark. Well, no, no, the character, the characters, Brody, Hooper, and Quint. Oh, I thought, I thought you were that. You were then saying that you also know people that have named their boat Orca. No, like, no, no. I don't know anyone who's named the Orca. Right, no, okay, no, cool, but I know people cool. have named Brody, Brody, Hooper. Um, but even just things like the. Some of the decisions, some of the sequences. I mean, the, I mean, the, the fish. Let's talk about the fishing rod because the fishing rod. I mean, firstly, how the hell do you think you're going to catch one of those sharks with a bloody fishing rod? Is a joke, but also just the sequence where Quint sets up the rod. I was captivated by that. Oh yeah, just, 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 just when, just when he gets that little indication, the tick, 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 yeah, tick, 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 and and the sound is wonderful and. What then happens is he is fixed, and the way he puts the the harness on, he straps it in. He puts it's the little things. It's the little things. It's when he takes the rod and he puts it in the little holster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a. It looks like a beautiful, like from an engineering perspective. I was fascinated by the construction of that whole, um, almost harness like setup rig. thing. The rig, yeah. And he puts his feet on that pedal. I I just thought that's so awesome yeah like that's so so wonderful and he clips the rod in there's something just like there's something like it's like an antique it's like you're seeing yeah. an antique being used for what it was for you know you can and he you gets a bite stump- oh it's wonderful and, yeah and he, yeah. and he gets a bite but here here's the question yeah is it the shark i don't know i think i get the impression the shark's playing with him a little bit it's just going out okay <laughs> i don't know the, why have you got a thought on that the one? movie makes it ambiguous because yeah. obviously we don't see the shark come out of the water at that specific point obviously that tactic doesn't work the fishing line thing it doesn't work but we don't actually see the shark until after that but more crucially for me we don't hear the music no, there's no music the, in that the, sequence. The shark, yeah. the shark music is not present in that fishing line thing. Which so makes, therefore it's not which, there. Which, therefore it's not there. And he's like, oh, like he's, a, he's a clever one. He's underneath the boat. He's underneath the boat. And and Hooper is like, ah, no, it's a big catfish. I don't think it's the actual shark. And the audience, I think we're, I think we want to be made to believe that it is the shark. It's the first encounter with the shark because that, yeah. because they do build up that tension with you yeah, know, the yeah. constructing the rig and doing it really slowly and then the slow yeah, clicking yeah, yeah. of the line and all that. And it's not the shark. No. Music's not there. It's not the shark. I think it's a very, very hard rule in this movie. I think yeah. that if the shark, if the music is not there, the shark is not there. No, that that I I like that. I like that. Actually, I'm gonna. In fact, every next time I watch this, that's that's exactly what I'm gonna think of. Um, when when I watch it, I'm I I, I even like. I mean, look, talk of the prosthetics. Let's talk about some of the other stuff behind the scene. You know, each of those sharks, there was three of them made. One one cut out from the left side, one cut out from the right side, and one from the the front. Right. Each of them cost two hundred fifty thousand pounds to make. Wow. You know, you know the one that that looks up when Brody's feeding the fish guts. You don't hear any music there, do you? Oh, yeah, there's, 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 yeah, when he's doing the, 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 the music. Uh, sorry, the, the shark with the, the, the fish guts. Um, that's the one I think that was then put into the back Hollywood Backlot Tour because um, I've been on the Jaws ride a couple of times. Oh, right, okay. Um, I'm trying to think if it was the one in, in, in Florida or the one in um, Los Angeles. I think it's the same one. I've definitely been to both of them. I don't even know if there's one in Los Angeles. Anyway, there is a sequence where the, the shark jumps up to the side of the boat and I think it's the same shark. I'm not sure. Right, okay. Um, as used in the movie because it's such a, you know, a big, massive thing that was designed to come under the water and like jump out of the water and stuff yeah um it's a scary ride actually from memory it was a, it's really good um you know where you are on the boat and you kind of um yeah the shark's sort of sort of following you and uh, it's just good it's good it's good i liked it um and then according to writer carl gottlieb um the line 
you're going to need a bigger boat. Often misremembered as, I think we need a bigger boat, or something along these lines. It's one of these like famous misheard lines. No, I, you know think, the, you know, I, like, I think the zeitgeist is, um, we're going to need a bigger boat, but I think he says, you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going boat. to need a bigger boat, exactly. It's like, look, I am your father. It's, yeah. no, I am your exactly. father. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, these yeah, sort yeah. of things. I, I like these sort of... Um, but apparently that was not scripted, and it was ad-libbed by, um, by, by the actor Rob... Um, I keep saying Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Rob, Sh- <laughs> Rob Schneider. <laughs> but but it was ad libbed. Yeah, which I thought was pretty pretty bloody cool. Um, I can't remember the track name, but I want to talk about the music during the sequence of the barrels. The kind of that that classic John Williams sequence. Um, almost a little Elmer Bernstein. I was thinking. All right, so. What we get to is what what I was saying earlier about the second half of the movie essentially being a pirate movie, and yes, the, the first yeah, example yeah. of this is actually when they leave harbor before uh, before they get out to sea. When sure. when they set off on their on their adventure, suddenly we have full orchestral strings going like absolutely bananas in a great yeah. John Williams way. And you were saying you were saying Alma Bernstein. There's I think there's a better example of a classic Hollywood composer there, and that's uh, Eric Korngold. Oh, okay. And Eric Eric Korngold was really if if he is lineage wise, John Williams comes from him because I, I've said it before, you know, Korngold was an Austrian classical composer, um, very much of, you know, the the concert variety. So, you know, mm. very much descendant artistically from Beethoven Brahms and, you know, all of those in the Viennese schools and, you know, things like that. And I think Korngold was the person, if you remember um when we, when we had ken on the show and, yeah, and he yeah, said yeah. and he said that the romantic classical cr- tradition really carried on into hollywood mm. and that concert classical music really kind of changed and became something else i think Korngold's the Korngold's the guy that brought the romantic music into hollywood he's the guy that did it because warner brothers tempted him over from austria to hollywood to mm. score the all those errol flynn pirate movies of the 30s Okay, and that's I think where all this music come from. You get these big fanfares of pirate ships and adventure and swashbuckling, and mm. and I think that is the sound world that John Williams is really trying to uh, portray in this second half sure. of the movie. To the extent yeah. that each of the three characters, uh, Brody, Hooper, and Quint, have their own three different pirate-like um themes and motifs themes and motifs and they're three very very distinct and then they play whenever the three have a action moment or heroic moment in Mm. the fight with the shark throughout the rest Mm. of this movie yeah what's very very interesting is none of those themes ever appeared in the first half of the movie even though those characters had a lot of screen time it's because yeah. it's, a, it's it's because they're in a very different type of move a very different type of movie at this at yeah. this point and um, in the barrel chase sequence which is amazing i i can i can't believe sequence. that the way they that the way they film that is literally just motorized barrels and literally they're just it's 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 three guys on a boat chasing three yellow barrels in in speeding around in the water and but we're this is just what like I'm talking about. we're just yeah. like that's a that's a shark and it's amazing and it's like it's not it's three barrels but this is what i'm talking about is that like it's it's the it's the best example of a movie where what you're seeing as an audience member on screen is so in your mind and what the the behind the scenes for it is it's just like it's silly it's, yeah. it's almost laughable yeah, yeah, yeah. and the the distance between those two 
you know, if we talk about some other famous movie sequences, um, I think I think some some that like jump to mind are I mean even things like the most modern day movies like some of the green screen stuff that you see in some of the Avengers movies you know take like take portals as a sequence yeah. that was just a group of guys standing on rocks whatever or, you know or the actors yeah, standing yeah, on rocks yeah, yeah. the green screen all behind it right now the difference between like what you're seeing and the gravitas of that scenery and then the creation of what it of what actually happened to make that is so different like they're so vastly different yeah. But this is almost a step further because it's like laughable this end. Yeah. But the range of emotions that you're feeling at the the, the opposite end, it it they just don't even translate. You can't yeah. even see each other. Yeah, it's incredible. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's incredible. But I really, really love the kind of swashbuckling pirate action adventure style of the much more thick scoring, which is almost constant in the se- in the second half of the movie. Along mm, with, mm. I think, the very important musical inclusion of the sheesh. Ugh, sea shanties show me the way to go home yeah that i'm tired i love it but, i love but it also the the big and the I big one that quint sings which is the spanish ladies one you know farewell yes. yeah 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 spanish ladies he changes the lyrics in that as well don't know if you knew that well yeah he, he changes changed it the lyrics. to um they have to down to england to boston yeah exactly yeah i yeah. believe they're interchangeable they're interchangeable i don't think it was changed no, for no. this movie oh i thought it was i thought he changed it i oh. read somewhere that he interesting made it. Maybe, maybe i'm wrong interesting yeah, no, I, no, I don't i don't know i that that was my thing because obviously i mean boston's got a great maritime tradition that's histor- historically it wouldn't surprise me if you know an offshoot of that song or arrangement of that song made its way into the seafaring yeah, yeah. zeitgeist of that community um, but yeah. I don't know. It might have also been changed for the movie. I'm 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 mm. not really aware. But um, what I love about that shanty is that kind of becomes his personal tragedy song mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because the first yeah. time he sings it is because he's kind of thinking that Hooper's gonna die on this mission because he thinks he's a yeah. soft boy and yeah. he doesn't have what it takes. So he sings this sea shanty at him while they're still on land. By the way. Yeah. Um, sort of foreshadowing Hooper's death, but what actually happens is right before he gets brutally munched by the shark yeah. is John Williams um puts that same sea shanty into the score right oh, before the shark gets him. Oh, as a genius. as a foreshadowing to him meeting his demise, which is really, yeah. really tragic actually, especially after that wonderful story of the Indianapolis that he uh, told yeah. around the table which was so so harrowing which is a it true is, story yeah. which is nuts to me it, it is a, it is a true story i think the numbers were kind of exact i think he said something like 600 sharks took the took the crew out but i think there's a I've, i was reading somewhere in some history blogs and stuff but yeah you're right i mean largely a true story yeah. which is great and it, and it's and it's really great because i um i remember watching this once when i was younger i remember asking myself when i was really starting to like watch films and really think about rather than just being an audience member but kind of do that thing that we do and really try and watch about films and how they're made and stuff i always used to struggle understanding quince incentives as a character like i really never really understood it but it it makes a lot of sense when you have when you watch the movie knowing that that scene comes up yeah um which is why this is such a great great rewatchable movie i mean it's it's one of the one of them such a rewatchable oh yeah absolutely um an accident actually happened during filming, Alex, um, that caused the orca to begin sinking. Director Steven Spielberg began screaming over a bullhorn 
for the nearby safety boats to rescue the actor, uh, the actors. John R. Carter, already up to his knees in water on the sinking orca, held his Nagra, so his tape recorder, up over his head and screamed, fuck the actors, save the sound department. During the accident, the film camera was submerged, so its film still submerged in seawater was assumed to be ruined. However... Once it was realized that developing solution in uh, you can develop solution in saline, the film was flown to New York Film Lab, and technicians didn't lose any of it. The wow. accident um, is described starting at zero one thirty or seven in the making of Jaws on the thirtieth anniversary DVD, which I actually had. Oh, I right. had that okay, making cool. of, so I used to watch it, and they talk a little bit about it. And I always just remember watching the sequence. But yeah, they saved all that footage. Um, but yeah, the actual the actual orca did um, did actually um, sink at one point, and they had to like submerge. I think there was a couple of different boats, but it was amazing. I mean, like some of the stuff that they did for that, I loved it. I loved yeah. it. Um, other, I mean, I, unless you've got other, I'm actually, film facts, I'm actually out of my musical points. I'm afraid, mate, because we're oh. good. Because um, even though there's a big, it, it's a big old chunk of movie. The second half of the movie, as I said, it is almost exclusively populated by, um, you know, the clever movie, sea music, shanty yeah. stuff and also the pirate advent ad, adventure music as well. And that kind of like goes on to the end to so a very satisfying kind of like adventure conclusion yeah 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 paddling off into the sunset type thing oh it's, it's all, a wonderful it ending is isn't really it? really great but but even just the even just the smile you son of a i, lo- I love just like smile, all that sequence i just i just i love it and the way that they filmed the rifle shooting and the shark coming at it and the explosion like it's just such yeah. a satisfying ending like it's it's a proper just like like well, all the while he's on the last it. moment of his sinking ship just with a rifle and he's gonna and the last gonna rifle touch the water and he's like you gotta shoot it now it's it is just like it's such a brilliant sequence that's set up um and and as you say just the ending when they kick they're kicking away to the water i love that piece of dialogue you know i used to be afraid of the water i can't imagine why yeah it's just like it? it's just it's just excellent it's just excellent um just last two little facts i have um, so several decades after the film's released, Lee Fierro, or Fierro, who played um, Mrs. K- uh, sorry, Lee Fierro, played Mrs. Kinter, walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the menu had an Alec Kinter sandwich. Oh, God. She commented that she had played <laughs> she had played his mother so many years ago. The owner of the restaurant ran out to meet her, and he was none other than Jeffrey Voorhees, who played her son. No, and they had not seen each other since the original movie oh, shoot. Oh, love it love amazing it. is that More um, and i've got that, an, please <laughs> and i've got another fact that's very very personal to me um when the egyptian resort of sharm el sheikh experienced a killer shark attacks in 2010 they apparently used the plot of jaws 1975 as their guide including denying the problem resist um, resisting closing the beaches reluctantly closing them after near shore attack killing the wrong shark and declaring it the right one despite clear evidence to the contrary reopening the beaches with a fanfare declaring them safe then having more attacks take place and after that however the shark simply left on its own accord. Now, the reason that's quite specific is I think... So I went to Sharm El Sheikh on holiday, and I think it was 2009 or 2010 I was oh. there. So I think I was there during the Sharm... And I was playing in the water all the time. So, uh, yeah. Or more. But, mate... I have loved doing this. I loved watching this movie. I loved talking about this movie. 
it, it's it. I mean, like it goes without saying. Obviously, it's the clearest two thumbs up ever. Hundred um, percent. It's this is one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. Yeah. Because we can really sink our teeth oh, uh, into into the in, film in, and into, the, into the hull of film royalty. Call it nah, shut the fuck, <laughs> shut the fuck. And we just <laughs> it's it, but it's just like it it's just so sad. Like everything about this movie is just satisfying. Yeah. And talking about this movie and the, uh, everything, I I might, I've loved this. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank, thank you. you. No, thank, thank you. you. No, th- no, quite seriously. I, I, I did a lit, a lot more of, of, of a deep dive into a lot of the music than, than I, than I sometimes do for some of the, especially the newer, uh, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. the newer movies we've done. Um, I, we've kind of, it's always been a bit surface level and not in a bad way. We always give our, our impressions of scores and what they make us feel and stuff yeah. like that but when we get movies like this and you know that there's just you know a lot more to it i really felt and ins- you know inspired to you know go and you know find and listen to all these all these little things and because i'll be honest all the things that you know i was saying about the score and stuff i had to look that stuff up but this, 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 yeah. isn't, yeah. this isn't stuff that that i can just hear on, on my on my first screen there are a few things there are a few things that that i picked up and i had little ideas on and i had to um like the baroque th- the baroque thing with mm, with mm. the fairy but i mean regardless like i think just how detailed and how deliberate the music is and all of john williams scores and specifically this one is a big reason why i will continue to go and rewatch this movie all the time just to indulge in those in those you know secret moments and those things that the music is telling you that maybe the movie can't Mm, mm. Beautiful. Oh, Two I, thumbs up. I, I loved it, mate. Yeah. Moving forward? Yeah, let's move it. Uh, now you haven't watched What If yet, have you? No, I haven't. Well, I've been I've been away. I literally have not had the what is it? Is it these Wednesdays, minutes? man? Is it thirty these, minutes? These Wednesday, yeah, yeah, yeah. These Wednesday releases, man. They're doing it for me. Ugh. They're not. Sorry, not doing it for me. Did you? Like you it. got it watched, though, it. did you? I, I have, yeah. So what we'll do? Um, Can you summarize without you, spoilers? No, let's not, because I want to talk a little bit about it. Right, okay. Um, cool, we're going to cool, do a quick a bit of a breakdown, because I th- there's quite a few points that I've made on it, um, and I very deliberately didn't... Um, <laughs> I very deliberately didn't send you my notes on it, just in case. Right, okay, um, cool, cool, cool. So, well, thank I you did, for that. I did thank copy you. paste as I... Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> so what we'll do, I think next week we'll do episode one and episode two. Um, oh, okay, so cool, you cool. better watch it. Uh, I'm really excited for episode two, though. It's supposed to be, supposed to be really good. Um, so the first bit of news I have is Margot Robbie has joined the cast of Wes Anderson's next film. She'll star alongside Tom Hanks, Adrian Brody, Bill Murray, Tilda Swindon, so some really famous um, Wes Anderson actors God, in an upcoming Anderson movie. Wes Anderson gets casts, doesn't he? He does. My well, I mean, God. Bill Murray, Tilda Swindon, they've always done 
Wes Anderson movies, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Tom Hanks has been in one once um, before. Adrian Brody, I don't recognise, but Margot oh, Robbie. Adrian Brody has, uh, has I think. I think he was. Okay, was it Royal Tenenbaums or something like this? Or I think, uh, which is a fucking wonderful. I think movie. either Royal Tenenbaums. Or I think he was in Grand Budapest. Oh, oh yeah, he was. You're right. You are right. Um, well, I guess on the run up to that, we'll have to do a couple of Wes Anderson. Oh, I'd uh, love Anderson to flicks. because they're just. Yeah. They're just so quirky. I love them. I love yeah, them. but I, I mean, think, I, but I think actors want to work with Wes Anderson because he is like one of the last like auteurs left. Like you know, yeah, an yeah, auteur being somebody that has like just a singular artistic vision and nobody fucks with it. It's kind of like Quentin Tarantino yeah. in that sense. And actors really want to work on those productions, and that's why no, I think Wes Anderson can... has that kind of appeal. I de- I definitely agree. I and. I'm trying to think now. I mean, obviously, I've I haven't actually seen Isle of Dogs. I'm really quite keen to watch it. But I, I, as I say, the one that always my favourite has always been Royal Tenenbaums. I think that was always the one that it's an older one, but it's just it's just wonderfully quirky and wonderfully weird, and oddly stands up. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've got a favourite one that you've that you've seen in the past of Wes Anderson's, or what's your what's your favourite? Uh, well, my my oh, two favourites are Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, with George. Oh, Clooney. that is wonderful! And yeah, it's wonderful that movie and uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think it's great. Grand Budapest, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know what this new movie is, um, but from the cast, I'm really excited for this. Um, and I, you know, here's here's hoping that everything's okay in terms of filming and he gets it all sorted. Because as you say, I mean, he does it properly, whatever way he does it. Um, and I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah. in other casting news. Big Driss has confirmed on social media that he'll be playing Knuckles um, in the second Sonic the Hedgehog movie with an image of his Knuckles. Um, what do you think about that? Did you see the first oh, Sonic? This- Elba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were, did you like that video? Um, just so we peek behind the curtain. Alex and I had a lovely cup of tea at his flat the other day. We, 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 we were, what did we do? We played some music and we, we watched, um, we didn't watch anything. We were chatting about Lord of the Rings and we had some yeah. tea and we watched an Idris Elba skit, but which is it, fa- it's Famalam or fam, one of these sort of comedy skit shows that did a, did a sketch. It was very funny about Idris yeah. Elba doing different things. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you see the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie? As in the Jim Carrey one? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I didn't, no, I haven't seen it. I kind of want to, though. I apparently want it's to. pretty good. I know, apparently it's pretty good. Uh, that's one that I will watch. I think that's one that I'd watch if I was, like, not feeling well one day. Do you know when you, know when you watch, like, yeah. a sick movie and you would just watch some yeah, utter... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just watch some utter nonsense. And I'm not but saying it's nonsense, James Bond. but, like... So James Bond, I don't know. I've got sentimental movies that I watch when I'm sick, like uh, Singing in the Rain. I always watch when I'm sick, but I always try and watch something a bit mental as well. I don't know why. Sure, I don't know why. I think sure. it's like a fever, no, that feverish makes brain. It makes me want to go a little bit psychedelic, yeah. and I think Sonic the Hedgehog kind of ticks those boxes for me. Yeah, oh, that's fair enough. Um, some other news in terms of ca- not casting as such, but it's more, um, I guess, director casting. If that's a thing, I guess that is kind of a thing, I suppose, these yeah, days, because yeah. the directors are just as much of stars as anything. Um, yeah, yeah. Waititi's upcoming Star Wars. Um, his, his quote saying, I have a story and it feels very me. That was a quote taken from Waititi. I mean, throw over to you. You're our resident Star Wars. Well, he geek. said something. What do you think about this? He said something similar before, where he said when he was talking about his um, Star Wars project, um, in that he had a struggle within himself of being a, 
a, a filmmaker and having his own kind of like language on um on how he makes and writes things and you know mm. bringing that to star wars but that was in direct opposition to him being a lifelong star wars fan and doesn't want himself to ruin yeah. star wars he was really quite sure um he was kind of disrespecting himself in 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 that way in a, in a comedic way um i i mm. i don't think it's a i don't think it's a necessary worry i do get the impression that if star wars is to you know survive it does have to evolve because you know let's be let's be honest it it has if, if it's going to go the way of marvel in the sheer volume of content that's going to go out there we have to have some you know contrast in style contrast in tone yeah do you know what i yeah, mean yeah and yeah. a lot of people and i think i would include myself in this are a little bit resistant to that because i think a lot of the charm of star wars is um how it's told and the gravitas of everything that that, that goes on which is a large mm. reason why i why i really like uh the last jedi because it deals mm. with a lot of those themes and mm etc etc and why i don't like the rise of skywalker because frankly it's nonsense but um i am very excited to see all of this i will see whatever they pump out for star wars because um i am a yeah i i unconditionally love star wars like i just do despite the fact that i that i really don't like the rise of skywalker i still love the star wars in it because there is star wars in that movie and i love the star wars in that movie i just don't particularly like the movie i don't know if that makes sense but it's the best no way. it does it does it definitely does i mean things like even the john williams score yeah he he i mean john williams gets it right because not only does he, he moves with the times i mean he he wrote some beautiful pieces of music for what was a terrible movie i mean i i think the actual track as we talked about a while ago when we looked at it the rise of skywalker yeah. is a wonderful piece of yeah, music i mean gorgeous. genuinely if that had been released during the first star wars movie that would probably be up there as one of the all-time greatest pieces of music put probably to movie. yeah do you know what i mean yeah. like it, like that sort of that sort of caliber of of track yeah. plus time equals legacy yeah do you know what i mean yeah um so i'm but, not so uh, much i'm not so much nervous about of a completely different direction that you know undeniably taco atiti brings to a franchise so i'm not really mm. nervous about that but i am very curious to see oh, what, what happens it's just, it, I, I, and very rarely do i watch universes like this expand and um really have an idea of how you know i couldn't tell you really how to do the marvel cinematic universe i couldn't because it's so sprawling and so vast yeah. and he's a full team but i scream at the camera every single time i see a new piece of star wars content that comes out that's just churning out the same shit and i'm like do something different do something amazing you know like i've seen people talk about you you want to do like a, a detective show on Coruscant. you know do a gritty detective narrative do it in black and white for all i care you yeah, know yeah, yeah. or 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 do like um do like a horror like an alien-esque horror movie on Dagobah where a team of people crash into the island they've got to survive they've got to get to the drop you know just just do a really amazing story you you could do um you could even do like some comedy stuff you could do some romance stuff you could do some really new stuff 100%. On, on 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 that in that universe you know i'm just think just thinking like if you take all like the ideas the bottle episodes from the mandalorian or even some of the bottle episodes from doctor who and then expand some of the narratives but but, but put the but put the kind of the world around it there's so many amazing things you could do there's so many amazing like you like as we, i know we are getting a samurai style movie but just make a samurai movie yeah. about old knights republic like 
fuck me, I'd watch that. Yeah. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? What make like an amazing samurai yeah, 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 film? Yeah. Like like seven samurais. Like but then you know, they're doing some that. Jedi's lost in the other end of the thing, and they've got to get amazing. Just do that. But then, um, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I reported uh, that they were doing a lot of different things with different anime studios and lots of different stories in a sort of Marvel what yeah, if of course, type thing. Yeah. And I think we'll I think that'll be our first taste of different tones and different voices yeah. of storytelling in the Star Wars universe, which is kind of why I'm most excited for that at the moment. Well, uh, even, even dare I say, beyond the Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian Season 3 and yeah. all that stuff, which I, to be, to be honest, we know that they're going to be good. Yeah, we do. I, I just, I just want to do stuff like it. Just it frustrates me so much that they're playing so coy with doing these things. Like, do big, do big movies for these things. Yeah, they're gonna be big. Like, as I'm I said, sure if we'll you get just, them. I'm sure we will. If, get them. if you did a kind of sa- seven samurai style, you know, set with no current characters on a new planet, maybe like a ship. Oh, yeah, Alex, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, anyway. But no, I'm looking forward to it. We had a couple of interesting trailers this week. Um, did you see the the, the Worth trailer? That was a no. Michael Keaton's getting about it at the moment. It's it's a it's about um oh everyone in nine eleven is need the families need recompensation. Looks good. I mean Stanley Tucci is in it and looks very very good. Okay. It's on Netflix. I think it's just been released. It's Michael Keaton Stanley Tucci about um a lawyer who's trying to to get fair recompensation for all the the the, the tragedies of 9/11 for their families, right, okay. which is really interesting. interesting. And, and I think the the point of the story is it's about, you know, social justice and that the CEOs the compensation was much higher than the cleaners as an example right. and you know that kind of um so I'm quite keen to watch that. It's kind of it's it's um from um Spotlight. I don't know if you ever saw that which was a really, really great movie. I think it won Best Academy Award a couple of years ago about the the, the priest scandal. Yes, I did see that. Church, that was a very good um, movie. Based in Boston, yeah. So similar to that sort of one. Um, uh, Queen Pins trailer. I don't know if I, I watched that. I thought it looked pretty charming about the kind of true story about the voucher, the voucher Queen Pins, the ones mm. that sort of duplicated vouchers and stuff. It wasn't really. Yeah. But the one that I did, the trailer that I did see that I thought was a really interesting one was Dope Sick. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Dope no. Sick trailer. Um, and it sets the story around... It's another Michael Keaton one about the opioid um, pandemic that took place a couple of years, 2017, um, where there was a drug company. And it's all a true story. And I forget the name of the drug company. Basically went full on hard on their marketing to try and have doctors use any method that they could to sell their drugs so their internal doctors sell to further doctors so that they could create this what what they were claiming was a non um a, a non um oh what's the word for it um bloody addictive um opioid right. drug to be used on the masses for like a lot of the labor and the and the, and the kind of the the, the white collar labor in the, the the midwest in america which led to what we're currently facing which is the largest opioid pandemic in the world at the moment yeah, in america yeah, yeah. um amazing amazing cast from michael keaton we've got rosario dawson will poulter looks fantastic too i'm always a big fan of him yeah yeah um so th- that is a trailer that i would recommend if you haven't seen watch it no it's, it's, I think it's, it's mad because it's a limited series it looks like the chernobyl kind of series it's, i don't know if it's the same Oh right, okay. It, but... Well, it's mad because I've I've not I've not seen any of those trailers that you just mentioned, so I will be watching them. But the one trailer I have seen was for uh, it was a tiny little sneak peek at Stranger Things four. I don't know if you saw that. Saw that. I saw did. This little trailer. Yes, I did. Just a little yeah, sting. Yeah, yeah. I'm convinced that most of it is footage from the from previous, the previous season, ones. From the previous season, but there are a few little stings 
of you know yeah. the big monster from the upside down or is mm-hmm. that what it's called it's called the upside down isn't it sure yeah sure. whatever um <laughs> yeah. excited you're big you're on stranger things aren't you yeah i did i i was drawn in by and, and kept in by the music yeah as, as we are i mean the, the intro music and everything and all the music choices throughout has always been really stellar um I think that that film, uh, that film, that TV series, um, it's on a bit of a knife edge, if I'm honest. Yeah. I think this could be the series where we start to take a turn. Um, okay. But it's got some amazing tropes. I mean, um, Sean Astin, if you remember, he was in season yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I loved Died that. And, and Yeah, he did. I remember that. I mean, that was one of some of the highlights for me. I think the kids are all doing very, very well. What's really interesting is the the star power in that TV series is now massive because of that TV series, yeah. which is really amazing to see. You know, season four, all the the actors that are in it are now household yeah, names. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because of Stranger Things. And so... Um, they're they're uh, fantastic young actors. It's got to be Yeah, said. they're all brilliant. You know, Millie Bobby Brown, film Wufar, you know, they're, they're fantastic at it all. And I'm... Yeah, I'm really... I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I will watch it. I don't know if I'm going to have to watch the first seasons again I, no there's i would a lot of there's I a lot wouldn't. to watch that, there that, isn't that, there that, that's a that's a fair chunk i would love to be able to but you know and if i have the yeah. time i might but I'm, I'm very happy to just jump in where we left off they'll have a recap mm, they'll have a recap that's it the, the only other piece of news that i have for moving forward is a little, a little bit of hans zimmer news oh okay. you read Go this for it. um for the upcoming movie that we're all excited for dunk Dunk, yeah, yeah. Dune, yeah, yeah. Dunny, Dunny, no, yeah, no. Dunny, Dune. yeah, Dune, 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 Dune. D- Diner, yeah, <laughs> Diner, yeah, no, Dune, because apparently Hans Zimmer, or it has been reported that Hans Zimmer is writing two scores, two separate scores for this movie. Christ on a bike. Now it's a little bit of a misleading headline because once you open, once I opened up this article, what it is actually is he's writing two is scores. him writing one score. No, he's <laughs> he's writing two scores, one for the movie and then one for a huge feature length making of, of Dune. Oh God. So it's like a, a scoring of a documentary of the making of a movie with separate, with different music by the same composer. And I'm like, that's not happened before. No, That's I thought you were going to say like a score book or something, like a picture book. What was it the um that Hans Zimmer's done before in the past for like? Oh Man yeah, Steel yeah, no, 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 like a sketchbook. I mean that that sketchbook. that might that might feature as a kind of greatest you know greatest hits of the music of the movie, um, so that that might exist on the soundtrack because it exists on a few of his soundtracks. Man of Steel being one of the most prominent, but it's really mm. interesting to me because I'm like, wow, if they're putting that much production into a, like a big product of the behind the scenes and the making of this movie i think that's a real indicator that this is going to be a stunning piece of cinema oh it will be it really will i i mean it, it's it's ticking all like, the right it? boxes Doesn't that on give the lead you that up to it yeah totally totally and and, and I, they've released obviously the poster just recently um of what it looks like and it looks very much a, a kind of it it looks like the sort of poster that we're gonna see for quite a while, if that makes sense, is a weird way to say oh, yeah. that. Like, so this, like it looks you know, like the first of many. Yeah, so like you know, changing a trend or something like. You, like yeah. you remember how you know a few years ago every poster looked like the Star Wars uh, Force Awakens poster with like yeah. this segmented orange and blue and all that. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, loved yeah, seeing, yeah. I loved seeing that as a trend because frankly, I didn't notice it at the time until loads of people put all these different posters side by side. And yeah, you could, like what was it? You could see X Men, Dark Phoenix. Exactly, it. exactly. One. The, the Aladdin poster yeah, yeah, yeah. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny, actually. I quite, I quite like that. 
but it's it is a beautiful poster and it's a beautiful um style i mean the, we've still only had one trailer haven't we Did, was there any of the, the score music in that um well i mean yet to find out it's all very mm. dark and hans zimmer-esque but yeah, whether sure. or not the, the, what i love about hans zimmer is how it develops into a bigger picture and it's impossible mm. to see that in just the mm. trailers and the trailers again, yeah, again no, it just sounds fair. like loud bassy noise <laughs> that's um, fair so i'm i'm very keen to hear how that sounds in the full soundtrack and he's your favorite aren't and he's your favorite uh, isn't he? look i've apologized in the past for <laughs> ri- for ripping on hans zimmer i'm very much a fan now because he does his own thing <laughs> that's cool alex what do they have to do now right now they've got to go onto the apple podcast app find us on there give us a cheeky little five star rating and perchance a review yep Yep, all of that. Yeah, boy. And do it all as quickly as I just rattled it off there, if you please. Yeah. If you if you don't want to leave us a review, you can tell us your favorite movie. You can fa- tell us your favorite soundtrack. We love to see, read, and hear all of it. You can also find us on loads of other platforms that you like to listen to your podcasts, including Spotify and the Acast app. And if you want to get more directly in touch with the show... We've got an email address as well, which Cal will tell you after he stopped giggling. I'm just going to keep interrupting you and doing stupid noises when you're doing your spiel. Um, the email is motionspod at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, please do write in. We, we love hearing the emails and we love reading them. In fact, we and we're, and we're not quite sure. I mean, we, we're kind of on the bench as to what we do next week because we've got some really great ideas, but we also have some stuff coming up. We're going to have to do it off, off air, aren't we? And I have yeah, to decide. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're also on the gram. Catch us there for some conversations. And thanks very very much to KTC Graphic Design for our wonderful artwork. Where I think there's a small, a small treat waiting at the end of our bed when we wake up, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, get yourself onto our Etsy store for all your movie print needs. They are really rather wonderful, and we'll um, happily decorate any wall that you have space for them. Yes, and you can enter the code MotionsPod20 at checkout for twenty percent off, which is really nice. It is very nice. Well, thank you very, very much for listening to our deep dive on Jaws, uh, and until next week, goodbye. All right, guys, ta-ta.